It's the unspoken truth of humanity. You are all made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. Right? What wise words from such an arrogant character. If you haven't seen that movie before, you've seen everything you need to know about this character, Loki. He loves himself and he craves power and wants to be worshipped. And the reason I start with this video today is because a lot of the key themes that we see in this video are represented in the text that we're going to dive into today, right? Who will we bow down to when in the face of danger? As we dive into today's chapter, we're in Daniel chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there if you haven't already, but we hit a point in Daniel, where Pastor Jeremy has been preaching through Daniel, and he's been talking about it in the term of a television show. We would be on episode three of Daniel, and in the past two sermons, we've diving into Daniel, and we've explored this book, but we hit a roadblock when we come into chapter three because Daniel is absent from chapter three. Daniel is not in chapter three, so you start to ask the question, who is the character that we're following through this. And yes, we know, we play that chess video. God is the main character of the book of Daniel. But also we see that Nebuchadnezzar has a huge role in the book of Daniel. We ended last week's episode, last week's chapter, with Nebuchadnezzar getting a dream interpreted to him. And in that dream, we saw a head, a statue with the head of gold. And Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that your kingdom is here, but your kingdom will fall and an eternal kingdom will rise up. And we're going to see exactly what Nebuchadnezzar does with that. What, what are you going to do when God reveals that your kingdom will fall? So with that, let's jump right into chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read this together. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image of the king had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered to the dedication of the image of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald pro proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, bagpipe, and every kind of music, that you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as all peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. With that, let me open our time in a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for the truth of your word and the truth that is the book of Daniel. Just pray as I preach through this, Lord, that you will make my words clear, 
Just pray for those in the audience listening that they can take something out of today's message, that their ears will be open to hear the truth of your word. Amen. All right, so as we enter this chapter, God made it clear to Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom will fall. And we're going to see in this chapter the main difference that separates Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Nebuchadnezzar is their respect and fear of who God is. Who is God? We see that Nebuchadnezzar ended last week's chapter by saying, Daniel, your God is the God above the gods. But we see as we jump right into this chapter that that doesn't really change Nebuchadnezzar's mindset at all. He goes from saying, your God is the God above the gods, to, oh, look, let me build this statue. Everyone bow down and worship me. I'm the greatest there is, right? And I use that video because that character, Loki, you don't need to know too much about Loki, but he's how I picture Nebuchadnezzar to be, right? Kneel before me. And we see that as we continue, and we're going to see as we continue reading where Nebuchadnezzar's mind is, where his heart is. Let's pick back up in verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if when you are ready, you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And then here, at the end of 15, we see exactly Nebuchadnezzar's view on God and where he plays into this. Nebuchadnezzar says, And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? Right? Who's the God who's greater than me? King Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's the center of this, this universe. And God has showed him that he's not. But he doesn't care because he doesn't have that belief of who God is yet. We, we see in James 2 that even the demons know of God and they shudder, right? We see that. But just because you know of God doesn't mean you have a relationship with him. It doesn't mean that that changes the outcome. My sermon today is titled Faith on Fire, and we are going to dive into the faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have, but not the faith that Nebuchadnezzar has, because the faith that he has is, is very different Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are all being tested. All the characters in this story are being tested. And we see that through testing, that leads us into our first point, through testing, it will reveal where our faith is found. Reveal where our faith is found. We all have faith in something, 
All the characters in this story have faith in something. I have a quote from a commentator, Warren Wearsby. You throw it on the screen. It says this, The difference between the true believer and the unbeliever isn't the presence of faith because everyone lives by faith in something. The difference is the object of that faith. What is the object of your faith? Who do you put your faith in? When you're being tested, when you're being threatened with this world that we live in that is our current Babylon, what is the threat? What are we going to do? Who are we going to put our faith in when we're facing that threat? just want you to ask yourself that question. Do you put your faith in yourself? Do you put your faith in others, those that surround us? Or do you put your faith in God? Because we know exactly what the world tells us to put our faith in. I have a quote from TV personality Oprah Winfrey. She says this, Create the highest, grandest vision possible for your life because you become what you believe. Just believe a little harder in yourself. You'll become that. Right? When we're faced up with this world and the opposition, just believe a little harder. You'll become what you believe. I have another quote from Brad Henry, famous politician. He says this, Believe in yourself and the rest will fall into place. Have faith in your own abilities. Work hard and there's nothing you cannot accomplish. We're being tested like these boys, like these characters in this story. It will reveal where our faith is. Is our faith in ourself, like the world tells us? Right? We see Nebuchadnezzar here. God revealed to him what was going to happen to his kingdom. And he goes, oh yeah, God, watch this. Watch me go against your plan. Let me build this image. Have everyone worship. You know, who's the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who's greater than me? And I can't help but think when we look at this scripture, I, I, I feel really drawn to the character of Nebuchadnezzar. I find myself asking, am I like Nebuchadnezzar? In this case, how often can we as Christians say, God has made it clear to us through scripture, through church, through fellow Christians, what we should do, and we go and do the opposite? How often do we do that, right? Verse 15, he says it, who's the God? Who's greater than me? And maybe you don't find yourself putting your faith in yourself. Maybe you find yourself putting your faith in others. We just got done with our series on the book of Jude talking about false teachers and how they are so appealing. We can get sucked into putting our faith in them. We see in this story that, that everyone kneels down. We see and saw in that video the crowd of people kneeling down. It's so easy just to kneel and blend in. Right? Do we follow the crowd? Do we get influenced by those around us? Because I'll tell you who we should be putting our faith in, and we see it in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're putting their faith in God. They put their faith in God. Let's dive in. Let's look at verse 16. It says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. This is in response to Nebuchadnezzar giving them a second chance to kneel. It says, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
Nebuchadnezzar asks the question, who is the God? They say, he is the God. These boys say, he is the God. And we, we can't imagine what it's like to be in a situation like this, but I have a, a quote from preacher Charles Spurgeon, and he kind of summarizes the situation that they're in. He says, we can imagine the enormous pressure on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to compromise. Everything in front of them, the king, the furnace, the music, their compatriots, their competitors, all of it was conspired to convince them to compromise. Yet God was more real to them than any of those things. Is God the most real thing to us as Christians? What is the most real thing in this world? Do the threats of this world scare us? Do the fires of this world scare us? And when we're faced in situations like that, where do we find ourselves putting our faith? Where is your faith found? Ask yourself that right now. When life's not easy, who do you find yourself trusting in? Is it yourself and your ability to make money and succeed? Is it others, people that surround us? Or is it God? Are you putting your faith in God? We, as Christians, want to have a faith that's on fire like these guys. Right? And having a faith on fire requires a few things. The first thing that it requires is it requires us to resist the flesh. We have to resist the flesh. Let's, let's look at verse 19. We're going to see just how much these characters are letting the flesh influence them. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell into the burning fiery furnace. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but the Lord is my strength and my portion forever. Our flesh will fail us. Our flesh will let us down. Travis Bradbury, an author who has studied how emotions influence us, how feelings influence us his whole life, he has this to say. He says, when you don't stop to think about your feelings, including how they are influencing your behavior now and how they will continue to do so in the future, you set yourself up to be a frequent victim of emotional hijackings. Whether you're aware of it or not, your emotions will control you. and You will move through your day reacting to your feelings with little choice you say and do. Right? We need to recognize how our feelings are affecting us. And a lot of times in my life, I find myself letting my emotions control the outcome of certain events. I think specifically when I'm at home and uh, my mom or my sister will come up to me and just ask the simplest task of me, and maybe I'm a little tired or my day at work was just not the best, I'll find myself getting angry and lashing out at them when I know that's not the right response. And I can sit back and look five minutes later why did I do that? 
Why did I respond in that way? And that's because I let the flesh take over. That's because I let my emotions take control. And we see that in this passage. Right? We, in verse 13 and verse 19, we see Nebuchadnezzar is filled with rage. They were not bowing down. This angers him to his core. And as a result of that anger, he asks that the furnace be heated seven times its normal heat. And through that, he gets his men killed because he was so angry he wanted the fire hotter. When really, in reality, if he really wanted these three boys to suffer, he would have asked that the furnace be turned down because then that would longer, uh, you know, make their suffering last longer because the fire would be burning them for a longer period of time. We can also see how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego resist the flesh. It doesn't directly say it in this passage that they were scared, but they have a second chance to uh, kneel before Nebuchadnezzar. They're brought before him into his court. They have a chance. Hey, kneel before me. I'm giving you another chance. You have to think that they were scared. You have to think that they were tempted to want to kneel. Their flesh was telling them, I just got to make it through. If I just make it through this situation, I'll be alive tomorrow to tell the tale. Everything was trying to convince them to kneel. But they were able to resist all the feelings of their flesh because they know that God is the most real thing to them. Their faith in God was real. Having a faith that's on fire not only requires us to resist the flesh, but we have to reiterate the facts. We have to know what God's word says. As a Christian, God has left us behind this book Right, with over 66 books in here. I'm always surprised by the comfort, truth, joy, and guidance I can find in these texts if I actually pick it up to read it. We can assume that these Jew Jewish boys knew of the truth and they knew of the Ten Commandments. Whether they had read it or heard it, they knew that they were to have no other idol in their life. They were to kneel to no other God than their God. They knew this. So they were able to say, hey, this is a line I will not cross. Right, do you think about in your own life where are the lines you won't cross? I help lead our young adult group at our Sugar Grove campus, and last week I presented this question to the group. Where is a line that you won't cross in your Christian walk? Have you thought about that? And I was shocked by the response in the room where they hadn't thought about how far is too far Where's your idle moment? Where's that line you won't cross? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew the truth. They knew the scripture, and they knew exactly where this line was. Right? Is it those TV shows or movies you're watching, those books you're reading, the media you're consuming, the music you're listening to, the news you ingest? Where's your line? Where's too far? Because this is it's a very easy situation right here where these boys are like, I'm not kneeling before that God. But where are the little gods, the little idols in our life that we're kneeling down before every single day? Where are those lines that we draw in the sand? Apart with reiterating the facts, we have to remember the biggest fact of all, that the Father is in control. God's in control. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. I know it sounds dumb, but I often 
sometimes forget the power that Scripture is. I feel like all of us as Christians forget the power that Scripture is. If we only picked this book up, read through it, we'd be surprised by what we can get through and how this will strengthen our faith in God. And we see the, the faith displayed brilliantly in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when we look at verse 17. It says, this is them in response to having the chance to kneel. It says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O God, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The confidence they have in God, the humility they have, where they're willing to say, my life isn't worth this. I would rather die than sacrifice my belief and sacrifice who I am and kneel before the, the false gods. Where are we making those compromises every day? And uh, Charles Spurgeon has a good quote that summarizes where these boys' faith is in this situation that I think we can all draw some inspiration from. He says, It is impossible that any ill should happen to a man who is beloved of the Lord. The most crushing calamities can only shorten his journey and hasten him to his reward. To him, no ill, but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach his honor. Death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him, for everything is overruled for good. Happy is he who is such a case. He is secure where others are in peril. He lives where others die. Can we say we have this eternal perspective that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have? Or do we have this more circumstantial perspective where we just want to get through tonight? We just want to make it through the day and we want to lay in our bed at night and say, you know what? I got more to do tomorrow. Where are we making compromises? How are we developing our faith? Are we reiterating the facts so that when this world that is Babylon pushes against our back, tries to push us off a cliff, we're able to stand on that edge, look down and say, no, I'm not jumping. The next key to having a faith that's on fire is we need to remain fruitful. How are you being an example of Christ in your day-to-day -day life? Jesus says in Matthew 7, by their fruit you will recognize them. How are we being recognized by our fruit? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a chance in this chapter to stand up for their faith. And they do that. But we also see if we jump back to Daniel chapter 1 in verse 20. Daniel chapter 1 verse 20, it says, In every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better. How are we standing out in our Christian walk? How are we displaying the fruits of Christ in our daily life? If even, do people in your life know you're a Christian? Do they see your example? Does your example point them closer to Christ? It's our job as Christians to be that example. The goal is to help others to see Christ. And then through our example, our goal is that they will recognize God's faithfulness. 
My last point, recognize God's faithfulness. Our job is to point others to Jesus, to point others to God. We see Shadrach. We, we often, when looking at this book, we, or this chapter, we like to focus only on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but, but God's the main character, and towards the end of the text, God shows up in an amazing way. Let's look at verse 24 together. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, Oh, true. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over their bodies. The hair of their head was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Just like in that clip I started with, we have a hero coming in to save the day in the end. And this is a beautiful moment for these guys because even though they were willing to die, God rewards them and he saves them in the end. But you can't help but think of the, the imagery in here and the fire and think of the fire that we were all saved from when Jesus came down to die for us. Right? Jesus was born as a man. He lived a perfect life, died, took all our sins up on the cross, died, rose again, was resurrected. And through our faith and trust in him, we can be saved, just like these guys were saved from this fire. It's all about where we put our faith and where we put our trust. And I'd love to end the chapter there, but it doesn't end there. We bounce back to the character we started the story with. We bounce back to Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his son and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Verse 29, Therefore I make, make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Even after everything that Nebuchadnezzar has been through, he's seen the example we saw in chapter 1 where they refused to eat his food. We saw the example in last week's episode where Daniel interpreted him this dream and God revealed to Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen to his kingdom. And at the end of last week's episode, Nebuchadnezzar said, truly your God is the God among the gods. And then at the end of this chapter, he says, no other God is able to rescue in this way. But still, Nebuchadnezzar isn't there yet. 
Nebuchadnezzar still has work to do. He still has growth. And we're going to get to dive into that next week in chapter 4. But I just want Nebuchadnezzar's example to be an encouragement to us as Christians as we live our life in this world that is our own Babylon. It's very easy to get frustrated uh, and get discouraged where we are constantly displaying our faith in a sinful world and feeling like we are making no impact. We're making no movement. But we see here that Nebuchadnezzar has, has seen a lot more than any of us have seen in our life. He physically saw someone who was like the son of man in the fiery furnace. And he still isn't able to fully put his hope and faith in God. My, my dad would say this growing up. He said that there are two types of testimonies. He said some testimonies are like a light switch right away. Once they see the, the, once the switch is flipped, they see the full picture. The image becomes clear, trusting God in that moment. But sometimes testimonies are like a dimmer switch. Slowly over time, that dial gets turned. And then once it reaches the end, then the full picture is clear. Nebuchadnezzar is a dial light switch, and he still doesn't see the full picture, but I don't want that to be discouraging for us because uh, it's easy in life to be sharing the truth of God and displaying the fruits of God and to feel like we're getting no result or to feel like God isn't working through that. But we see throughout this whole chapter that, that God is in control. Right? We have that chess analogy that we open up with. We are just the pieces in that chess game. God is the hand moving the pieces, and it takes us to be humble to say, I'm just a pawn in God's game. But through that, we can take comfort in this, and Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you to, will bring it to completion in the day of the Lord. Right? God, if he did begin a work, he will finish that work out. We can take courage in that when we see a family walk away from Christ or wandering or friends wandering or the world wandering. God is in control and we can take comfort in that. We need to have a faith on fire in this sinful world that is Babylon. Right? And having that faith on fire requires us to resist the flesh, resist what the world wants to give us, resist our own sinful desire, requires us to know what God's word says to reiterate these facts requires us to remain fruitful, continually be an example for who Christ is. And then through that, through our, our example, hopefully others will recognize God's faithfulness. Right? God deserves all the glory and all the praise. It's our job to show others that. But we can be reminded of verse 18. But if not, Right? Have that kind of faith. But if not, we can still face this fire because God, God is good.